Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 355th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston should I say, hockey-mad Boston, to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is, as I said at the Open, it's hockey mania here in Boston. And that said, it's uh, the highlight would be, clearly be the Bruins' unexpected 7 to two annihilation of the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night. It was the first Stanley Cup finals game played in St. Louis in 50 years. Uh, actually, 49, 1970. But we'll round it up to 50. And uh, the Blues were simply embarrassed and dominated by the Bruins, who uh, just looked fabulous. They withstood the opening charge. Uh, that you knew was coming in the Bruins, excuse me, the Blues' first game again in the finals in nearly 50 years. And uh, once they got through that opening five minutes or so, when the crowd was going crazy and the team was fired up, uh, the Bruins completely took over. So the city of Boston is just literally on fire. Um, If they win tonight... The Bruins, they can literally win the cup at home this coming Thursday, tall order. Uh, The Blues calling card all year has been that uh, right when you count them out, they come back. They actually had the worst record in all of hockey on New Year's Day, and here they are in the Stanley Cup Finals. So nobody up here is assuming anything, but it is just uh, over the top. Uh, here in Boston and all of New England with hockey fever. It's awesome. I went to uh, my favorite local sports viewing establishment on Saturday night, completely packed house given it was a Saturday night for uh, game three. Bruins coming off the loss in game two. Series tied 1-1. And the place was just absolutely electric. It was... uh, Five to six deep everywhere, and uh, just a fantastic atmosphere, and it turned into just a total celebration as the uh, Bruins were up 3-0 at the end of the first period, scoring a goal with like less than a minute to go in the period to really, uh, really basically 
uh, take control. And, uh, and indeed they did from there. Tori Krug, who made his name in game one when he skated practically the length of the ice with his helmet after his helmet had been knocked off by a Blues defender. And he skated with uh, no helmet, hair on fire, literally, practically the length of the ice and just hit the first blue he, he saw and just leveled him. Uh, so anyway, on Saturday night in game three, he scored four points, becoming the first Bruin ever to score four points in a final game. I think it was a goal and three assists. And that's heady stuff, given the Bruins' fabulous history. So, again, uh, the town is just uh, literally electrified by this Bruins' run and over the top after the win on Saturday night, knowing that, uh, again, they can, if they can pull off another victory tonight and Blues will be pay, playing very, very desperately. Again, there's uh, a dangerous team given how they were just embarrassed at home on Saturday night. But if the Bruins do pull it off, Game 5 is here Thursday night in Boston with the Bruins having a chance to win the uh, Stanley Cup. And wouldn't that be something? Uh, when they won it in 2011, it was Game 7 out in Vancouver, 3,000 miles away. And great memories from that where they basically won the cup, flew all night, arrived in Boston at 8 a.m. and immediately went to uh, an outside bar at 8 a.m. in the morning uh, with the Stanley Cup in tow and started uh, celebrating and words quickly circulated around town. And by mid-morning... Uh, <laughs> The outside bar was packed with the Bruins fans, and uh, so kind of a legendary story up here in Boston. So uh, winning it at home would be uh, something pretty special. So we shall see. We'll know a lot more tonight, so be sure to tune in. Well, my bizarre story of the week was the walking wounded of the Golden State Warriors winning Game 2 in Toronto last night despite losing Clay Thompson and Javon Looney to in-game injuries. Steph Curry had to leave the game for a brief time. Uh, something was up there. And <coughs> Boogie Cousins, uh, after being on the disabled list for 45 days, played a little bit in game one, but come up huge with 26 minutes, nearly had a triple-double. He had like 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. And, uh, and then the Raptors committed a fatal mistake uh, with about 2 seconds left in the game when they left former finals MVP Andre Iguodala wide, and I mean wide open, who hit the three-point dagger to take it from a two-point lead to a five-point lead, and that's how it finished, and it was just uh, uh, awesome to see how the Warriors uh, showed their championship medal, as Doris Burke said last night on ESPN. Uh, again, you know, and this all goes without saying that Kevin Durant obviously has been out, and so the Warriors bench has just... Uh, responded every time they've needed to 
whether it was Boogie last night or Quinn Cook, um, that famous now now famous game six in Houston, which was the first game without KD, I believe, and uh, and the bench come up big that night in Houston to finish off that series. So uh, the Warriors, I think we've all known for a while, they're something special, uh, but now they're really uh, showing how special they are. Doing all this without Kevin Durant, and uh, and then last night without uh, a full game from Clay Thompson, who was having a good game, by the way, as always, and uh, Looney. So, and Andre Iguodala, who hit the dagger last night, is clearly he's recovering from an injury. So it's just, and Steph Curry just doesn't quite seem to be himself. So uh, something's going on there. So it's just really. Uh, Hats off to the Warriors. They're just doing a great thing in a, in a total, total gut check game. They just wanted uh, didn't want to go down 2-0, heading back to Golden State with all these injuries. So we'll see how it all unfolds, but it is great stuff. And, you know, the uh, Raptors came up big in winning game one, but last night was a real opportunity for them that they let slip through their fingers, given the injuries. They were right there. They didn't quit. And brought it to within two at the very end uh, with about six seconds to left. Um, so they get a stop there or whatever foul and somehow get it down to three. They might have had a shot to tie it. Uh, but didn't happen thanks to Andre Iguodala. My low light of the week is the little girl being hit by the foul ball as Major League Baseball continues being too slow to put up netting the whole way to the foul poles. Uh, the player who hit the foul ball was crying, Cubs player, a uh, very emotional uh, situation. And it's a subject that I've uh, uh, been aware of for a long time because in the 1980s in Fenway Park, I was sitting uh, down close to the Red Sox dugout on the first baseline and I saw a kid get hit in the first row. Uh, a lot of blood. Never forget it. And Jim Rice, uh, this is pretty famous here in Boston, just leaped out of the dugout and uh, and carried this kid immediately uh, into the locker room where he got the medical attention he needed. So it's something that's been on my radar all these years, and now it's just reaching a uh, uh, full-blown crescendo uh, after this past week and the little girl getting hit and the player's reaction of crying. So... Major League Baseball, I think it's time to really just issue an edict uh, that every park needs to have netting the whole way down to the foul poles. Um, we shall see. And finally, uh, Patrick Cantlay won the Jack Nicholas Memorial Tournament out in Dublin, Ohio over the weekend yesterday by shooting uh, the best closing round in the 44 years of the Memorial Tournament's existence, a 64. And he and Jack Nicholas apparently have a relationship, uh, which was evident. Um, Jack's given him some advice and whatnot. It was evident in Jack's greeting of him. Uh, and Canlay's been uh, hanging around. He could, uh, winning this tournament, could really take him to the next level. He was around in the final day of the Masters. Uh, his name's been appearing on the leaderboard more and more often. 
So uh, someone to keep an eye on with the U.S. Open looming just a couple of weeks away out at Pebble Beach. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby, to join the show. The call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm good, A.P., uh... Everything's going great. Summer has arrived here in New England, and uh, couldn't be better timing because uh, something near and dear to your heart, the Travelers Golf Championship, stop on the tour <laughs> the week following uh, the U.S. Open out at Pebble Beach this year, uh, is only a couple weeks away. It literally uh, begins, you know, practice rounds on Monday, June 17th, so 
when summer arrives here in New England, people who love golf like you and I start to think travelers. And again, suddenly it's only two weeks away. Yeah, it's a great tournament. It's one of the most well-run. Um, I've heard from different people along the way, and I wish I was going to be there uh, this time, but uh, to have fun if you get a chance to go. I'll be there on your behalf. Got my media credentials <laughs> squared away, and uh, always it. jump on that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll make sure you're there in spirit. Um, well, AP, one of our favorite days of the year has arrived at 11 o'clock this morning in that the college... Football Hall of Fame nominees were announced for 2020. And, uh, you know, a lot of great names on there, AP. Uh, You know, especially just players, more recent nominees, shall we say, from uh, this century. Meaning they've played since the year 2000. And some names that jumped out at me as I went through were... uh, Really one of the all-time great linebackers, three-time All-American, James Laurinaitis from Ohio State. David Pollock, who we still see weekly on ESPN's football coverage, uh, is a nominee. And AP, you're an SEC guy. You know, I like David Pollock as an announcer. Honestly, I had no idea what a great player he was until I read his little capsule there on the... uh, on the nominee list this morning, uh, like, wow, what a career. SEC Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-American, on and on and on. It was just amazing. Well, yeah, he was a force. We had a game plan for David, brother. He would get after that quarterback, and uh, he'd, ma- he'd make it happen in that backfield and other places as well. But he was a fab- fabulous player for Georgia. And, uh, yeah, he's somebody that you can vote for and be confident in your, in your assessment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I have a lot of other names here, and uh, but what jumped out at you from this list? I'm sure you well, reviewed it by now. For me, yeah, for me right away, uh, John, my first inclination, I have to check out the Alabama players that are on the list, and EJ Jr. Right. was an outstanding uh, edge rusher, outside linebacker at Alabama, and won a, won a title or two there while he was in Tuscaloosa, so he was an, he's a good player, excellent player. And he was, he's being considered. He's the oldest player on that group from Alabama. And then it was Chris Samuels. He won all those awards, Outland Trophy and and uh, other ones as well. So he was an unbelievable left tackle for Alabama. Sean Alexander made all those yards behind him in 1999, oh, yeah. 2000, yeah, right around there. So those are the two players. And then Greg Carr was a linebacker from Auburn. And then on the coaching side, Larry Blakeney, who was uh, went to Auburn, but he coached Troy University, Troy State University. Oh, He's yeah. the all-time wingiest coach in the Sun Belt Conference. So those are the names I went to initially, but um, there, there's so many trem- tremendous players on this list. It's, I tell people all the time, it's very difficult when you have to cast the 10 or 11 um, votes uh, for the FPS uh, a group, group of coaches and players. It's very, it's it's extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. Oh, very, very difficult. Um, you know, some other names I noticed uh, again from this century were uh, Glenn Dorsey from LSU. Another name yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with. He was a true yeah. force at uh, on the defensive line, to say the least. Yeah, he was a great player. 
And uh, somebody like Morton Anderson, the kicker from Michigan State, he made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, when he left, he was the, he, he was the all-time leader for, for the conference at Big Ten and Big Ten in field goals. And he, he had a 63-yard field goal, and three times he was all-conference, and he led the team in scoring for three straight seasons. Um, I mean, that's just some of the type of people you're having to consider. Keith Byers, Ohio State. I remember him running up and down the field, all those long runs he had. Absolutely, uh, playing at Ohio State, and uh, uh, just just going down the list alphabetically. uh, Eric Crouch, you know, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, two thousand and one, Nebraska. From Nebraska, so he has yet to make the Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, and then of course Eric Dickerson. uh, He's his name is listed as well. He's two times the Southwest Conference Player of the Year, but I don't know, maybe some people shy away from him because of what went on at SMU. I'm not, I'm not certain. I'm not right. certain that's the case. The team that got the death penalty. Yeah, got the death penalty. You know, then, then you have somebody like Tony Gonzalez, the California tight end. You know, he had, even in college, he was prolific, 89 receptions and uh, 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns through his career. Uh, then I, I noticed, I think, down in the list was... Uh, Jason Palmer, um, and he and another Heisman Trophy winner, another Heisman Trophy winner, and then Josh Heupel, another Heisman Trophy winner, was on that list as well. Oh, and, and by the uh, way, good good point. But Josh Heupel, current yes. coach of University of Central Florida, uh, yes. a, yeah, we all know their story in recent years. Uh, and you know, he he took over for. Uh, Scott Frost, who went out to his alma mater, Nebraska, after the famous undefeated season. And Josh Hoppo has kept it going in a big way, yeah. to say oh, the least. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I meant to say Carson Palmer. I think I might have said Jason. But uh, Carson oh. Palmer, the Heisman Trophy winner from USC, he's still on that list. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, Rashan Salam, another Heisman Trophy winner on right. that list. I mean, exactly. so those are just Heisman Trophy winners you're trying to consider if you should put them on your ballot. I mean, so, you know, they haven't been inducted into the Hall of Fame yet. Yeah, well, some names that caught my eye are some people that I've worked at, uh, worked with at the NFL, uh, having been writing for the league over the past uh, seven years or so. But Troy Vincent, spectacular defensive back and uh, from University of Wisconsin, and Keith Elias, who is a a tremendous executive in the front office of the NFL, uh, running back at Princeton, uh, is on the ballot. And then you pointed out, speaking of people, you know, where are they now type uh, players, uh, along the lines, again, of Josh Hypo, but... You pointed out someone with a Connecticut background uh, where you used to live, and I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I, I remember watching John Dorsey, the linebacker. He was the first-team All-American. He led the team in tackles for three years. He was two-time Yankee Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He's now, the, I believe, the GM of the Cleveland Browns. He's been GM at, I think, Green Bay, Kansas City as well, if I recall. So, and I actually spoke to John about being on the ballot. It's very difficult to enter the College Football Hall of Fame when you're on that list, the FCS list. And, uh, yeah, Keith, you mentioned Keith Elias. He's on that as well. And and then we had another player from Wesleyan University. That's the alma mater of Bill Belichick. I think he yes. just 
particular individual played around the same time, Bob Heller. He's a two-time first-team All-American, um, didn't allow any sacks during his career, and he played on the defense. Um, you know, he, he played uh, on offensive linemen, and he had a uh, record that still stands, I guess, 1,980 yards with that offense. Exactly. Seven. Well, there, you know, every year we talk about this. We've been covering this for the last number of years. And AP, there's just no better walk down memory lane than this list of nominees year in, year out. It just, uh, you know, one player reminds you of another player, and then you just go on and on and on. And uh, one that another one that caught my eye was uh, Antoine Randall L. <laughs> right. Mobile quarterback. From uh, from Indiana University, IU, the Hoosiers, yeah. and yeah. but I, I remember him more as do everybody uh, from Western Pennsylvania, like myself, for mm-hmm. being a so-called option quarterback, backup. Uh, uh, you know, that would come on the field, a la Cordell Stewart, a little bit mobile, and he's the guy who threw the famous pass to Heinz Ward. In the Super Bowl victory over Seattle out in Detroit in 2005, the famous Sports <laughs> Illustrated cover where Heinz Ward is leaping over the goal line. Uh, yeah. A lot of people don't remember Antoine Randall through that and many other massive, gigantic passes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot that myself, John. Yes, yes. Uh, again, that's down in Steelers lore, to put it mm-hmm. mildly. And speaking of quarterbacks, another quarterback uh, and uh, a really Perfect example of where are they now? Tony Romo from Eastern Illinois uh, is on the ballot. Uh, what, basically, one of the all-time great uh, divisional players in college football history. Absolutely, the quarterback. He came out of a small school, made a big name for himself with the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, yep. yeah, he's on that list. And hey, John, how about this name for? Some of the New York Giants fans, and I think he might have played for the Rams as well. Sean Lindetta, the punter. Oh yes, yes. Out of thousand, out of thousand. So he's in the FCS level uh, ballot. Yeah, the FCS level is just a treasure trove of uh, you know of players, uh, you know who we all remember, but played at smaller schools. Just that simple. Um, some other names that caught my IAP were. Former Clemson running back, an all-time great college football player, and a, and a good pro, C.J. Spiller. E.J. Henderson, the linebacker from Maryland. Speaking of linebackers, Dan Morgan from Miami. Remember how good he was? Oh, yeah, that's a couple of tackling machines you just named there, Henderson and Morgan. <laughs> there you go, tackling machines. That, that's a perfect description. They were just, you know, they were household names back in their days oh, yeah. in college, for sure. Oh, oh yeah, they're outstanding players. As they all are, it's very difficult to make this vote. Uh, uh, John, here's a name that some people might not remember. Gary Wishard. He was the quarterback at LIU and CW Post. He was one of the early athletes to become an agent. Wow, really? A agent. Yeah, yeah. He, but his name was a hot name years ago, played way back in 71. He played in the 72 Senior Bowl. Yeah. We're going back there sure now. Did. Yeah, yeah, moving yeah. way back there now. But oh, I know. He's on that it's, list. Yeah. It's just sprinkled throughout. AP, as always, this is one of our favorite shows uh, when we talk about the College Football Hall of Fame and really uh, 
ourselves take a walk down memory lane, but also remind all of our listeners just uh, uh, of names that, you know, you just haven't thought about in a while, but the minute you hear them, it conjures up tremendous, tremendous memories and images. And uh, But AP, we've come to the end of our first segment, time for our break, uh, but we have a lot more things to get to on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we were talking last segment about one of our favorite uh, events or shows of the year, which is the day the College Football Hall of Fame nominees are announced. That was today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we've been going over a lot of the names, and it's the gift that keeps on giving, A.P. Uh, I, of course... As a Central Pennsylvania native, cannot 
let our discussion go by without mentioning a some Penn State people, and one that comes right off the top of my head is uh, Steve Wisniewski, Penn State offensive guard, uh, first-team All-American. He was on the 1986 12-0 national championship team, the, uh, the team that beat Miami down at the Fiesta Bowl, and Jimmy Johnson and Vinny Testaverde back in the day. But what's interesting in his little bio here is, you know, it's impossible to remember all the little details, but... Wisniewski blocked both Blair Thomas and DJ Dozier. Uh, um, again, famous, famous Penn State running back who everybody will recall. But not everybody might recall that the, the lead blocker for them was uh, Steve Wisniewski. Oh, yeah, he was outstanding. Great ball player at Penn State and went on to make be a great pro as well. Exactly, exactly. And... Uh, uh, another name that jumped out at me was Michael Westbrook from Colorado. I had mentioned uh, Cordell Stewart earlier in the day when I talked about uh, uh, Antoine Randall L. Uh, and Cordell Stewart was, of course, the quarterback who threw the Hail Mary to Michael Westbrook in the end zone at the big house at Michigan and, frankly, one of the biggest uh, plays in college football history. No one will ever forget that one. <laughs> Nobody will right forget up there that play. The the miracle. The... What's that? And the call was by Key Jackson. Correct. Exactly. Uh, the, you know, that play is really right behind, uh, you know, Doug Flutie's miracle in Miami uh, as, you know, memorable Hail Mary plays. That might be second all time. Yeah, and plus it was on the road. We just well, like the... the... At the big house, so that was on the road, and as was the Boston College win. Exactly, and I think what you know, we all know what the big house means. That means one hundred and ten thousand people. So what differentiates that play from most other hail marys is you know not only two big name schools, big name players, but you know it's not often that you see one hundred and ten thousand in shock. <laughs> but you saw it that day, that's for sure. That's absolutely. Hey, John, I was looking at another name on the FCS list is Steve McNair, Alcorn State quarterback. Yes, yes. You know, it's so interesting you would say that, AP, because I was down in Nashville literally a couple weeks ago. I stayed there, went up to the Kentucky Derby, as I mentioned uh, in my show a few weeks back. But I stayed in Nashville, and we just drove up to Louisville for the Derby on Derby Day. But when I was in Nashville, AP, as we uh, went around restaurants, what have you, throughout town, Steve McNair's memory is honored, like, everywhere. I saw it in multiple places, pictures of him, posters, what have you, uh, you know, just really kind of touching type tributes to Steve McNair. We all know that... uh, you know, he was murdered, basically, and it was just yeah. a horrific, horrific uh, ending to his life and just a, a terrible story all around. We we all know that, but it was fascinating to me, AP, and I meant to mention this. Uh, glad you brought it up to see how fondly Steve McNair is remembered in Tennessee, where he, of course, took him to the Super Bowl and uh, through that last second the last play uh, 
pass that Kevin Dyson, I believe it was, got tackled at the one-yard line by the St. Louis Rams? Right, I think that was the wide receiver. I think it was him. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure. You know, too. John, he was he was third in the 1994 Heisman Trophy voting from Alcorn State. That's like unheard of. I mean, imagine that happening today. Exactly. I, I can't. Exactly. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. Right. Exactly. In this day and age, it would just be impossible. Uh, another name that I see here that's really one of my all-time favorite names, AP, is uh, simply the name name, but we all remember it, Elmo Wright from Houston, uh, <laughs> and then later a receiver. I think he was number 17 for the Kansas City Chiefs, a uh, yes. great player in college and in the pros, and, and just with that great name of Elmo, someone that we all remember to this day. And uh <laughs> Yeah, he, he was uh, the first a, first person I remember with the touchdown celebration dance. Exactly right. You took the words right out of my mouth. It, it, that's the person that I think, in my mind, originated that that touchdown celebration. He would, I think, kind of jog in place fast. It was like a high stepping move. Correct. When he scored Correct. a touchdown. And. Uh, he set an NCAA single-season record of eight touchdown receptions of 50 yards or more in 1968. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he, no, again, you know, you know, he's one of those names that when you hear it, you remember it immediately. You hear it once, you remember it. And he had the, uh, the cachet to go with it. <laughs> he played like yeah. his name, shall we say, and, and he was a household name. Like so oh, many yeah, he was men, only a- you know. Yeah, he was only a sophomore when he did that, Sean. Right, That particular right. record he set, yeah. And AP, you know, just being up here in Patriot land, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, at a quick glance right on the same page are uh, some famous Patriot names, but they were famous in college too. Kenneth Sims from Texas, the defensive tackle. Yeah. Number yeah. one pick, as I remember, by the Patriots. Yeah. And then another, yeah. he was just great. He, he was a total force back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big defensive lineman from Texas. I'm number 77, if I remember. Yep. And yep. Uh, I guess you're looking at maybe Andre Tippett, Iowa. Exactly. That's, that's the other one for sure. He still works uh, in the Patriot front office to this very day. And uh, and uh, an all-time great Patriot inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. And I have an interesting story there, AP. Uh, uh, when I bought my first condo back in the 1980s, uh, outside of Boston, lo and behold, who was a fellow resident, but Andre Tippett at the height of his fame playing for the Patriots and, uh, met a couple times around the development and could not have been a nicer guy. And everybody in the development just loved him and was proud of him and, he was very visible, uh, you know, just as as one of us one in the neighborhood, so we say. So in the hood, it was great. Oh, yeah. He's an Alabama native. He's actually in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame as well. Wow. I did not know that, actually. Yeah, he, he lived when he was maybe till seven years old here, and then I think he w- was raised in New Jersey, I believe, and then yes. went out to Iowa. Okay. I was I was familiar with the New Jersey connection. That's for sure. 
Uh, you know, boxing's getting a lot of play with the upset Saturday night in uh, in boxing, but uh, I see here Ken Norton Jr., as in Ken Norton, <laughs> the boxer's son from UCLA, who uh, obviously was a star at UCLA, but is also remembered for playing for both, if I recall correctly, the 49ers and the Cowboys in the 90s when they're rivalry was absolutely raging oh yeah he played on both of the good teams right during that exactly. era. yes yeah, he, he was, was a force. Yeah, he was a good linebacker number 51 yeah, yeah and and speaking was, of uh yeah. you know uh famous dads here's another one that i like ed mccraffrey as in father of christian now playing for the Carolina Panthers and obviously one of the best players in college football recently for Stanford. Well, Ed was pretty good himself at Stanford. And uh, and then onward to the Broncos. Uh, so, yeah, so he's nominated. Um, and the name right above him on the ballot at AP is another name that everybody from Penn State remembers well. Bobby Majors, uh, Tennessee defensive back, who both – played and coached for the volunteers and had some memorable games against Penn State. Yeah, Bobby, I think he returned a punt or two against Penn State. They played two years in a row, I recall. And I think they played, John, and I could never figure this out. I think they played both games in Knoxville. I think you're right, exactly right about that. Yes, they, they are they are famous games, They're, you know, in, in Penn State lore. Uh, and Bobby Majors was a, a central figure. Uh, to say the least. Oh, oh yeah, and that's, and that's his, his brother's Johnny Majors. You know, when Johnny came out, I think, second to Paul Horning in the Heisman voting. Right, and then Johnny Majors led Pitt for the 1976 National Championship with a running back, uh, oh, by the way, named Tony Dorsett, <laughs> and, a, and a quarterback by the name of uh, Matt Cavanaugh, but who's also on the ballot, I should add. Uh, yes, he's on the ballot. Yeah, and speaking of Pitt, that later after that, you know, 11 years later, another nominee on the ballot is Craig Ironhead Hayward, <laughs> who was a Pitt running back. And he, of course, now his son is a tremendous player in the defensive line of the Steelers, Cameron Hayward. Yeah, that, that's something. That's quite a, quite a feat. Yeah, Greg was a hard... Hard runner. I mean, he just oh my gosh! Put his put his head down and just bowl you over. Ironhead Hayward, one of the great nicknames in sports history, not just football, sports history, without a doubt. Oh yeah, he was good. Uh, another name I saw in there. I think he's a scout now for the Baltimore Ravens. Is Tim Newsom? He's a running back at oh, Winston yeah. Salem. Winston Salem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So many of these guys. So many of these guys have made their name in other areas, uh, m- many of them within football, a la John Dorsey. Uh, but another great name. And AP, uh, our, these segments fly by when we're throwing out all these names and memories, but we're at the end of our uh, third segment, so why don't we take our break now and still have a little bit more to get to on the other side.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Where's America listeners? Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's Boston Bruins-St. Louis Blues Game 4. The Bruins routed the Blues 7-2 on Saturday night. They have a 2-1 lead. Uh, New England is going crazy over the Bruins, Boston in particular, of course. Uh, it's hockey fever, mania, you, call it, you name it. It's, uh, it's all applicable. And uh, AP, if the Bruins win tonight to take a 3-1 lead in St. Louis, they can win the Stanley Cup at home this Thursday night in Boston, and everybody is just out of their minds up here. You used to live in New England. You get what uh, <laughs> hockey fever can be like up here. Oh, yeah. When I first started going to the Celtics game, they were like number third on the list. Right. Yeah, behind the Bruins and the Red Sox. So I know how popular the Bruins are because I was in that arena many times, Boston Garden. Me too. The old garden and the new garden and AP. You know, there's just something, you know, Boston at its core, 
is just really a hockey town. I think I saw something not because the finals are being played here or the postseason run the Bruins are on, but just Boston was named the number one hockey city in America, which it's in the blood of the people here. And it is just uh, <clears throat> it's special when the, when they go on a run like this. Uh, two wins away, and again, after Saturday night's annihilation, literally, of the Blues playing their first Stanley Cup home game in nearly 50 years, and, and they go out and, uh, and get blown out by the Bruins 7-2. to two. So everybody is just, like, poised to, you know, carry that over, hopefully win tonight, and then Thursday night we'll just be off the charts here in Boston with the Bruins having a chance to win the Cup in Boston in 2011. They won it uh, out in Vancouver, so not at home. But it's, it's going to be a fun week, AP. Uh, but again, the Blues are a team that everybody has counted them out, and every time they've been counted out, they respond. They were the worst hockey team in the league on New Year's Day of this year, and now they're in the finals. After game one, everybody said the Bruins are going to sweep them crazy, but... <laughs> And the Blues won game two in Boston. So everybody is now back on the Bruins own the series line of thinking. Uh, but the Blues have responded. So tonight, that's my appointment viewing of the week with good reason. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Bruins, Blues. And AP, uh, you had some uh, one of your favorite events of the year, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, SEC annual meeting. And uh, you were there, as always. Yeah, it was a spring meeting, Sean, in Destin, Florida. And I was over there last Sunday, stayed through Saturday. And you have the head football coaches, basketball, women's basketball, athletic directors, presidents, sponsors, television people, all the bowls, most of the bowls, Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, um, Peach Bowl, you know, all types of people were there. And so the big news of the day that ended on Friday was the fact that Commissioner Greg Sankey has allowed all 14 schools to have beer and wine in the general seating if they uh, choose to um, let that happen at their at their arenas and, and, and their stadiums. Yep, that got a lot of play, AP. I'm glad to hear you explain it and the fact that you were actually there. As it was announced, uh, it's a seismic event, you know, and it's been uh, percolating for the last couple of years around college football. And correct me if I'm wrong, is the, is the SEC the first to adopt it, the first conference? Or, again, I know it's been a, a, a topic in recent years. Yeah, they have it in other, other conferences. I think the Big Ten has had it for a while. Okay. Uh, I think LSU probably led the charge in the Southeastern Conference. You had to have a majority. So when it was announced, a few schools, and I don't, maybe all of them did, released a statement saying that it's under review. But I'm thinking there's a majority. So somebody was interested. You're going to have some beer and wine at the stadium and arenas this year. And they put the different stipulations on maybe, I think it was end of the third quarter for football, you have to quit selling and, you know, something for the basketball and the other sports. And, you know, so there are some expectations and guidelines and uh, hopefully they will manage that situation. I I prefer not to have that at at a stadium because there's so much passion at these SEC events that I don't think you need that 
X factor in the equation, and that's a, a real wild card. It could turn it could turn uh, into something that the, the fans and the, the families are, are there with their children, and it, it could be unpleasant. Yes, yes, especially on the heels of tailgating, and uh, you, you know, I mean, when the SEC t- does something, it's it's just big news period and you mix in of course the the legendary passion the tailgating as i just mentioned but it's here it's you know it's the way that it's that it's been going in that direction but again when the sec does it it simply uh you know gets everybody's attention including mine and yours especially since you were there so yeah it sounds like quite an event ap uh gee whiz uh with all the, uh, you know, great bowl game representatives there. I mean, the SEC is just so dominant that uh, it, it just turns into a who's who, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there was all the football coaches. They see them walking around the hotel and basketball coaches. And so it's a lot of fun. You get to interact with them. And, and there's different legislation that's passed and approved and we had an uh, actually we had an hour and a half session with the coordinator of SEC official Steve Shaw and we were actually given a device to select if a play was the targeting was the correct call so that was a lot really? of fun yeah we cool. explained it yeah he explained that to us and and then we had to make the choice, and I think it was there seven or eight plays, and so there were some really close calls and decisions. That one time we had the voting; it was like fifty-seven to forty-three percent. I mean, it was so tight. And Steve said, "Yeah, that's the way it is in the booth." I mean, a lot of times you're not sure exactly because of the replay and the angles and the depth of angle, and so it's very difficult. It's a very difficult call. Very, very, very difficult call, to say the least. Um, well, that's very innovative, to say the least. It sounds pretty cool, almost like a video game <laughs> yeah, was, of sorts. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was actual plays that happened last season, and I was glad that he explained the rule, and I have a better understanding now. Right, and the other thing about these SEC meetings is uh, they're in a, a great area, Destin, Florida, which is up on the panhandle on the beach, if I'm not mistaken. It sure is. Yeah, it's right on the water there. It's very nice beautiful sight with the water and the sand and it's it's a lot of fun that area has been getting more and more visibility lately um to say the least and uh, i i think it's uh the secret's out shall we say because that that is just a uh, from what i gather a beautiful area and you've been there many times so uh you you would know better than most but it sounds awesome mm-hmm. yeah it's always nice to go over there it's just a couple hours from me on the coast Yep. Well, that helps when you can drive to it, right? <laughs> Makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely, AP. Well, I want to thank you, as always, for calling in your expertise. Uh, great job, especially with uh, giving us the insight from uh, from the SEC spring meeting, uh, as well as, of course, walking down memory lane on the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, nominees being released uh, just a couple of hours ago. So we covered a lot of big names there, and it's always one of our favorite shows of the year. So thank you, as always, for calling in. My pleasure. My pleasure, John. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Sure thing, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. 
Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.